Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Frederick Riberson podcast, the podcast where I share insights into psychology, body-oriented therapy, cosmoenergy, a form of energy healing, and many helpful ideas that I use in sessions with my clients so that you too can benefit, get to know me a bit better, and hopefully solve and sort out a number of situations in your life a little bit more easily and saving a lot of time. So this is the first podcast I do. I've been wanting to do it for a long time, and it's always tricky to know how to start. And last night I came across a post on a Facebook group that uh, motivated me to, to do it because I wanted to respond to this person. And I felt that doing an audio response was more appropriate, and that might also be helpful for other people. So this post was a woman describing a difficult situation after breaking up from uh, somebody who could be qualified as toxic or a narcissist. And the healing process when, when this happens is very different to breaking up from a regular person, because when there's a regular person, it feels like you have been playing a game according to certain rules and things just didn't work out for some reason or another. Uh, generally, the blame or responsibility is shared. Everyone can assume that they did something wrong, let's say. They, they did not do 100% perfectly, and neither did the other person. So generally, it's just a feeling that um, the two people were not meant for each other. And uh, so it can be sad, can be difficult and painful. Sometimes it can feel, um, well, you know, of course, just very, very difficult to move on. But generally, it's sort of acceptable. Now, the difference when we break up with somebody who is toxic is that they will have spent time, uh, so if the relationship lasted long enough, they will have spent time skewing our perspective of reality. Uh, that's called gaslighting, actually. So with enough gaslighting, when the breakup occurs, things just seem weird. It feels like either the situation is terribly unfair or we are solely responsible for everything that went wrong and the other person portrays himself as having done absolutely everything right. And it can be very difficult to, to process this because basically something doesn't add up. And usually we're in situations where we just try to make sense of what is happening, maybe to learn, but also if there's, if there's blame, it's just, it feels weird. It feels like we're playing a game and the rules are changing all the way through the game and we're constantly losing, though we're trying hard and the other person then blames us for not following the rules, for forcing them to change the rules and so on and so forth. So back to this post, this, this woman um, was saying that she realizes she's on a path of healing and she realizes that her life is precious. That realization is one of the keys to being able to heal uh, from such a relationship. It's realizing that regardless of the situation, the relationship with someone else or lack thereof, our life remains precious whether we're in a relationship or alone, our life remains precious and is always that precious. If we don't see how precious it is, it's very difficult to, or not difficult, it's unreasonable to expect that someone else will realize how precious it is. So this is one of the first steps, realizing it's precious and treating it as such. And here I'd like to, to share a metaphor that I think really helps. 
It's a metaphor I got from a book called The Happiness Hypothesis, written by Jonathan Haidt, who's a uh, New York psychologist uh, who works using what is called uh, positive psychology. It's, it's a beautiful book. It's easy to read. And one of the metaphors he uses is saying that the mind is like a rider sitting on an elephant. So the idea is that the rational mind is like a rider. So when you are listening to me, your rider is hearing my rider. And riders are, just like the rational mind, riders are very arrogant. They're convinced that they understand everything, that they know everything, that they control everything. And the idea behind it is that if a rider goes somewhere, the rider thinks it's because he or she decided to go to that place, when actually what's happening is that the elephant that is underneath is the one who is deciding and controlling, because the elephant does whatever the hell it wants, because it's a bloody elephant, and it's very difficult to make an elephant do something that it doesn't want to do. So, first of all, riders tend to ignore elephants, uh, tend to ignore their elephant, and so they end up places and will rationalize it afterwards by saying, well, I got here because I wanted X, Y, Z, or this is what I was thinking, and this is what I chose. I turned left because I wanted to get to the river, when actually the rider mostly was totally incapable of explaining where he or she wanted to go before the elephant decided to go there. And the rationalization we make is, um, it's basically, it's, it's both arrogant and guesswork, and it's just plainly, mostly, plainly untrue. Now, it's possible for the rider co to communicate well with the elephant, or better, to realize what the elephant is thinking and feeling, and be able to be in touch with the elephant, and that is generally when we, when we are able to make better and wiser choices in our life. Uh, Carl Jung, the psychologist, was saying that until we make the unconscious conscious, the unconscious will determine our life, and we will call that fate. So in this metaphor, the rider is the conscious mind, and the elephant is the unconscious mind. Now, I, I like the metaphor for a variety of reasons. First of all, it helps explain how we get to places in ways that make no sense, and we try to rationalize it. So one way is just forgetting about the rationalization, because it doesn't really change how we got there. Um, we can then try to understand and, and examine a bit, but mainly we ended up somewhere, so what do we do with it then? Blaming someone is not particularly helpful, it doesn't change where we are. I also like the metaphor because it makes us be, or helps us, gives us the opportunity to be aware of the elephant, of what the elephant is feeling, because we don't know what the elephant is thinking. And we can pay attention to whether the elephant is feeling happy, sad, angry, scared, or, or any, other, any other emotions. I also like the, the metaphor because the elephant symbolizing our subconscious, the elephant is only trying to do one thing. It's to make us happy and safe and be protected and be loved. And the elephant is always trying to do that, always giving us all the love it can give. Um, just being kind and just truly loving us. 
And then, how do we treat our elephant? Quite often we will berate the elephant, we'll get angry at the elephant, say that the elephant is stupid for having done a certain thing, or, or we'll be telling the elephant that the elephant is not worthy of love, that the elephant is ugly, that the elephant is embarrassing, and we'll be sending out the message that if only we had a different elephant, all of our problems would be solved, so it's the elephant's fault. And simultaneously, we allow other people to be mean to our elephant, to hit the elephant, beat the elephant, berate the elephant, insult the elephant. And more often than not, we just sit there and just look at it happen, sometimes with a big smile on our face. And the poor elephant is being assaulted left, right, and center by a variety of ill-intentioned people and some well-intentioned people who just don't know how to do any better because their own elephants are hurt are angry, are scared, and so they, they, they just act that way, and we allow them to do it. And despite all of this, our elephant still loves us, and still wants the best for us, and still wants to protect us. When we get into toxic relationships and we don't establish boundaries, we can assume that it doesn't really matter because we don't deserve those boundaries. To some extent, people grow up in families where boundaries are not fully respected, or they have to argue the boundaries, or they anticipate that putting down a boundary will create some form of problem. And in fairness, it's not easy to know which boundaries are, are reasonable and which boundaries are not reasonable. Uh, parenting is, of course, very difficult. You have to protect the child when the child is too small, realize when it's the time to gradually remove the protection to enable the child to be autonomous and independent and learn from mistakes. So that's, that's, it's fine to struggle to find the right pace. And part of the learning process of becoming an autonomous adult and human being is actually learning to establish these boundaries. So sometimes we want to complain that our parents should have given us the appropriate boundaries. And well, I find the word should to be generally irrelevant. Did they do it or not? And if they didn't do it, it's an opportunity for us to establish these boundaries, for us to learn to be respected by others. Uh, and that's a matter of trial and error. And I like, I like the image of the elephant here because it's one thing to establish it for us and we often think that we don't deserve it. But when we think that we're sitting on an elephant that's been there since we were, since we were a baby and it was a baby elephant and it's always been there with us, it's always shown us love and friendship and care. When we think that we've allowed so many people to be so mean to the elephant, and we've allowed it to be feeling so much pain and be feeling so alone and unloved and unprotected. I find often that makes it easier for us to, well, just realize what we've done to ourselves, to feel responsibility for what we've done to ourselves and what we've allowed to happen to us. And there's a tendency 
to some extent, for that to become guilt. And um, guilt is, well, it's an, it's an easy emotion. I won't get too much into that. I just find it's not very helpful. And it's not helpful, especially because uh, we can feel the guilt, but there's another way to deal with it. And the, I think, appropriate way to deal with it is simply to apologize. It's not easy to apologize to our elephant, because we don't know if our elephant will forgive us. We don't know if our elephant will still want us as a rider, because we're basically saying that we're probably not worthy to be a rider, that we've made mistakes, and that, we, that we'd like another chance. We'd like the elephant to forgive us and extend the elephant's trust, and we promise to be better. And we don't know if we can be better immediately. Probably not. But we'll try. And who knows, maybe if we ask our elephant to, to, to forgive us, if we apologize, if we state everything that we did that we're apologizing for, who knows, maybe the elephant will forgive us and will love us anyway and will give us another chance. And if not, well, you know, it's the elephant's right. It's the elephant's right not to, not to forgive us and to hold a grudge against us. But so far, every time people have done it, they, the elephants have been very forgiving and very loving because they've loved us despite our flaws. Maybe they've actually loved us in part due to our flaws. Because if we were perfect riders, maybe they would feel that they were not good enough, that they were not adequate, because they too know that they made mistakes. They too know that they have not been perfect. They too probably want to apologize for their shortcomings. They tried, they did the best they could, and it was never perfect, and so we suffered, we ended up in the wrong places, and it's been really difficult. So maybe the, maybe the way forward, the right way to do things is to apologize to the elephant, list everything that we want to apologize for, and see if the elephant accepts our apology. And maybe we want to show gratitude to the elephant, for everything the elephant did, including the things that made us angry in the past. Because if the elephant hadn't done all of those things, we wouldn't be standing where we are today. And if we weren't where we are today, well, we've got no idea where we would be. It could be better, could be worse. And it's not self-evident which of the two actually is the best. Because every time we've ended up in the wrong place, we've been able to think and learn and grow and develop and become stronger and kinder and wiser if we choose to. Or maybe it's made us become more resentful, more angry, um, more mean, more closed, more afraid. But that's our choice. Whenever we have these emotions, we can choose to either learn from them and try to go upwards we can choose to use them as an excuse to go downwards. But generally, that we've already made our choice of either going up or going down. And whatever comes our way is simply 
an excuse to, to justify our choice if we want to go downwards and an opportunity for us to continue going upwards if that's what we want, if that's the life that we want to live. Yeah, so our life is precious and our elephant is precious. Life without our elephant would be very different. And it's not even sure it's possible because sometimes you're very happy you're sitting on an elephant that can go places and be safe in times and places where we're a human or a rider can't do it. And the elephant's doing so much work for us. So maybe a bit of gratitude is, is, is going to be welcome and is going to make it easier to have a healthy relationship with our elephants. Yeah, life is precious. Our elephants are precious. Maybe it's time to say, to say thank you and to apologize. And when we see things this way, it makes it much easier to sort out healthy relationships from unhealthy relationships. When we're looking at relationships, we can ask ourselves, how is this person treating my elephant? Is this something I can accept? Is this something aligned with my values? How is my elephant feeling? I'll trust my elephant more than another rider because it's, oh, it's my elephant. My elephant always wants the best for me. My elephant might not always understand things, but I should always listen to the elephant. When we have a gut feeling that something is rough, is off with someone, something is wrong, some, that someone just doesn't feel quite right, listening to the elephant's a good first step. And telling the elephant not to listen to or not to pay attention to its feelings possibly is not the best way forward. That usually is one of the best ways to, to disconnect and make mistakes and trust the wrong people. And if the elephant's feeling, you know, afraid, then the elephant's feeling afraid. Rationalizing it won't change the fear. If the elephant is feeling angry, the elephant's feeling angry. And rationalizing it and telling the elephant that it is stupid for feeling the anger and it shouldn't feel the anger doesn't change the anger. We can use all of these emotions as tools to understand what is happening. And understanding what is happening and why we are reacting a certain way is a first step to put a little bit of distance and avoid being manipulated by people. Again, regardless of their intentions, whether they're, they're, they're good or bad. But it's our responsibility to take care of our elephant. It's our responsibility to protect our elephant if that's what we choose. The elephant is doing everything it can to take care of us. So what are we doing for our elephant? This, this makes me think uh, we could paraphrase Kennedy. You know, ask not what your elephant can do for you, ask what you can do for your elephant, which might be a, a rather nice way to, to spin this. There we go. Those were a few thoughts I wanted to share that I found helpful, that hopefully you will find helpful. And um, please leave comments, subscribe, contact me, follow me on social media uh, for more content. Um, I'll be, be happy to take questions from people and answer the questions. I think in the audio form, it's quite pleasant to do. I'm also happy to have interviews with people, so don't hesitate to, to reach out. You can read more about uh, how I think, how I work, read more about the ideas I use on my website, which is www.reberson.com. That's R-I-B like Belgium, E-R-S-S-O-N like Norway.com. On social media, 
My handle is freberson in one word. So F like France, R-I-B like Belgium, E-R-S-S-O-N like Norway. And uh, thank you for listening. And I am looking forward to uploading some more, some more podcasts in the future. Have a great day.